shots on the beat, boy. Accent made this. Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. Welcome back, everybody, to the Value Adds Value podcast. My name, as always, is Kyle Krieger, and I'm joined by my guy, Wilkie V. Law III, on this happy MLK Day where teachers are not working. Yes, yes, yes. Super excited. Some people are angry, but hey, we deserve these breaks. Yeah, we do. My fiance came down stairs a little bit ago and was teasing us that she had to go to work, and neither one of us realized it was actually Monday, so... um, we're doing good though, so um, I'm a little sad. My Packers got just destroyed by the 49ers, so the Packers will not be winning the Super Bowl, but it is what it is. Um, we are super excited on this episode to have a fantastic Houston area teacher who we met on the Teach Your Heart Out cruise this past summer, Lauren Roig. Lauren, thank you for taking time with us. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so we were. We were on the Teacher Heart Out cruise, and you randomly got paired with one of our friends as a roommate because you were going on the cruise by yourself. Yeah, I was like, you know what? Let's just go solo, see what happens. And like, if anyone was cool enough to room with a random person, like they're probably cool enough to be my friend. And we like immediately, <laughs> Vanessa and I became like friends. Like we walked in the room, we were like, yay, <laughs> and loved each other. <laughs> I can is. imagine that. I can imagine how that went. I, oh my God. <laughs> we, were, we were like sitting at dinner and like I was like answering questions for her and like the people at dinner were like wait but like you guys met an hour ago and we had already known like our life stories but it was interesting because I thought I think I had asked you all on the cruise I'm like did y'all just meet because y'all y'all were so familiar it's like like kindred spirits so absolutely yes so for our listeners if you have never listened to Vanessa Corona's podcast, the Empower Teaching Podcast. Yeah. We want to make sure that you go listen to it. It's fantastic. Um, we're both. We've been lucky to have her on ours and both be on hers, so that's great. But uh, yeah. yeah, Will, let's kick it off. So for, it. for our listeners, could you tell them a little bit about your background and how you got into education? Absolutely. I um, I've kind of had like the most random journey into teaching. I um, I grew up around teaching my mom was a secretary at my elementary school and so I just spent my summers helping teachers get ready in their classrooms and you know then you grow up and you go to college you're like what am I going to do with my life and I uh, I actually I'm my undergrad degree is in international business um, and my master's degree is in international relations and so I interned at the U.S. Embassy in London studied abroad every summer Costa Rica Spain England and lived in London for six months. And I was like, I'm gonna go into, I want to be in the FBI, CIA, something to do with the government. And I graduated right when like the sequester was put in place and there were no jobs. And I just thought, okay, I have no backup plan. And I actually became a flight attendant. So I was a flight attendant for three years, three and a half years and flew Miami International for American Airlines. And then after I was like, you know what? I need more of a I miss being away during holidays. I, you know, I miss my family and done with this crazy flying public. I need to get out. And so I transitioned back home, started my alternative teaching certificate, which is something that I knew I would always kind of transition back to. It's a great career. 
I love teaching and everything I, everything in my career path, I thought, well, I want to be a trainer for, you know, flight attendants or eventually if I'm in the FBI, I want to, you know, go teach at Quantico. And I'm like, why do I keep going back to this idea of teaching? So I thought this is a perfect opportunity to transition. And um, now I'm an eighth grade English teacher um, in Magnolia, Texas, which is about 45 minutes north of Houston. H-Town, yeah. I remember, I remember when you shared that, I was excited that you were from the H. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. That, like that, that is very roundabout. Like that, um, and I, but I think that you bring, a, you bring a dynamic, I can imagine, to your classroom that's just, I mean, I can only imagine sitting in your classroom and, and hearing the <laughs> stories and the experiences. Uh, so I'm sure your students are probably wowed a lot by it. They are. They're always asking me questions. I actually had a student reach out to me. She emailed me and was like, "My teach, we're we're gonna we're planning a trip to Europe over the summer. Like, these are the places are we going? Do you have any recommendations?" So I'm like, the fact that kids come back and ask me for travel recommendations makes me feel like I'm pretty cool for a junior high teacher. <laughs> but mm-hmm. like I said, I try to bring that experience to the classroom as much as I can. Yeah, we're yeah, we're we're going on our honeymoon to Europe in the summer of 2021. So you can expect a call from me to get recommendations. <laughs> Absolutely, I'll plan it all out for you. We I'll are going to the primary thing we are going to see is the place where the sound of music was like originally from. That's that is Salzburg, like the, Austria. Cr- yep, the crown jewel, Salzburg, <laughs> Austria. I have not done that tour before and sang my heart out the entire time. It's great. It's a wonderful. That's it. You'll love it. It's great. <laughs> Your wife will love it. <laughs> I know. Well, that's her thing. Like when we started dating, like in the summer of 2017, she let me know like that Sound of Music is her favorite movie, and I put it off until this past Christmas break. Like I managed to avoid watching it. And then I watched it and I was like, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, this movie's so good. Yeah, uh, that's, it's, it's actually beautiful. I took a friend on the tour with me who like does not like musicals and it's, she was like, this is so much fun. They take you around the whole country and it's, it's beautiful. It's a wonderful tour. So I'll, we'll talk more about that because I'll have yeah. plenty to tell you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and see, look, that's just those experiences. My, my, my statement that I tell my daughter all the time when she was, while she was growing up is, the one with the most experiences wins. You know, just to kind of get her out of that mindset of doing the same thing. No, go experience things, have those experiences, gain that insight, that perspective. So when you do find your route, when you find where you want to be in life, I think it's interesting that you said you kept wanting, everything kept leading you back to teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought about mine, I graduated, I was a sociology major. You know, I went the alternative route. And when I got into um, teaching, I had, worked as a QMRP uh, at vocational training for, um, for um, special needs adults who were living on their own and giving them vocational training. So I was basically like their coach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I went into t- uh, working at, the, um, at Kaplan University as a student services director, uh, but I was still working at a school. You know, so then I was like. Yeah. Maybe something's, the universe is trying to tell me something. <laughs> Right, right. But again, it just brings everything in perspective for what you're trying to do. And, and that's, that's awesome that that's your route. So I love that. Thank you. It's, it's been a very fun, a fun journey. And I actually, I actually work where I grew up, which is a unique experience because I'm working with coworkers who had me as a student. Um, but working in like a smaller suburb of I would, rural suburban town at Houston, it's 
a lot of my kids don't think that they can go do these crazy things like travel the world or go to Europe by themselves. And so I'm like, look, I did it. I'm not that much older than you. Like <laughs> if I can do it, you can do it. And you know, I have pictures and stories everywhere in my classroom so that they can think, you know, what, if Miss Roy can go do this and she got out of this town, like I can also. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So our mission here is to help teachers become the teacher that students deserve. When you hear that phrase, the teacher your kids deserve, what comes to mind for you? I think a teacher that is fully engaged, which is hard at times, but fully engaged and student focused. I think it's really easy to get mixed up in what standards I need to hit and my test scores. But in the end, I just... I want to be the teacher that always has my students' best needs at heart, whether it is academic or it's emotional, physical, whatever they need. I want to be that teacher, that support. If it's a friend because right now they have no friends or it's a mother because their mother passed away, whatever it is, if I can fill that hole or that need for them, that's what I, I strive to do every single day in my classroom. And it's not always teaching them author's purpose or theme. It's teaching them that life isn't always fair. But, you know, this is how we overcome these obstacles. And if I can use a story or a book and help them teach that and help them learn, that's, that's my end focus is, is really just creating that bridge of curriculum and life and that lesson in between. That's awesome. Mm. I love the way that you said mm. that story. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just watching the Netflix specials on the Obamas when they were talking about uh, their their new venture and getting into storytelling. And I think that's so critical because that's how we learn. That's the most primitive way to learn is just by story, mm-hmm. spoken word. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So we talked earlier about it and I just kind of want to hear, so you, you know, you had that experience of being international business major. <laughs> to international relations masters to flight attendant. So what is something that you've gained at, that you, some experience that you've gained as a flight attendant that you still use in your classroom, that you use in your classroom now? Um, I think the number one thing is the power to de-escalate situations because I'm telling you, I, it's so funny. There's so much of a connection between like being on an airplane with 130 adults to being in a classroom with 30, 13 to 14 year old children. Like, it's like the same thing. You'd be surprised. Like all these adults turn into children when they fly, but just the power to connect with people. I think that's the number one thing. I see my coworkers sometimes um, maybe come at situations the wrong way or just being able to talk to people. A lot of the times problems on the airplane could be solved if you just had a conversation with someone. I had this passenger who was hysterically crying and she had been drinking and she was just so upset and they were like kick her off the plane and I I was like let me just talk to her and I just took the time I got down got eye level which is what I do with my students all the time and we just had a conversation and she said my dad just died and you know it it is I'm in so much pain right now and and we just talked through it and you know I just said look this is what we have to do if you want to go home and you want to go to his funeral this is what we have to do to get there and she just appreciated that five minutes that it took for me to talk to her and that's why I said, you have to talk to your students. And so definitely, I think being able to connect with, with people is probably, in a quick way, is <laughs> the biggest skill that I took away from flying. And I'm forever grateful for that. How many miles have you flown? I wish I knew. <laughs> um, I, I never 
kept track of it. Like some of my, like my coworkers would, and they would track their flights. Um, but I always joke because like you'd, you'd meet these like million mile customers and they're like, I fly more than you do. And you're like, I highly doubt you fly more than that. Like, you fly a lot. I'm sure you do. But like, I fly an average of 12 flights in three days. So I don't think you fly more than me, <laughs> but I wow. averaged about nine to 12 flights in like three, a three day period. Wow. Out of, out of Miami? Mm-hmm, out of Miami. And then I would fly probably um, minimum like seven trips a month meaning that would be like your three-day period of all your stack of flights. And so, yeah, about seven flights or seven trips a month um, of flying. So it's a lot. Like you fly. I was exhausted all the time. And I was flying international, so that would sometimes be red-eye flights to Brazil or um, over to Europe where you don't get very – you only get 24 hours to acclimate and then fly back and reacclimate. I think there was one time where I had to fly. I flew London. And I was home and like, you get like a rest required rest period. So like, if you fly an international flight, crew scheduling says you need to have like an eight hour rest period at home before you're legal to be booked on another flight. And I had just met that like rest period. And I was like, they're not going to call me again. And like, they call me up and they're like, Hey, we have you on the Rio red eye. And like, I'd gotten home at like 4 PM. And then by midnight I was flying to Rio and I was like, I'm exhausted right now, but this is pretty cool to go from London to Rio in a matter of three days. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's... What's, what's the craziest thing you ever like had to deal with or saw on a flight? Um, let's see. Gosh, let's pick one of them. I have, I had, I was like the queen of medical emergencies. I I've had a passenger die before on oh. my flights. Um, and I was like really new when that happened. And so I was like, no, this one, they teach you it in training. And most of the time it'll never happen. Nope. Nine months of flying and my passenger died. And I had a flight attendant go into a diabetic coma once people pass out all the time on airplanes. No, no mechanical stuff that's the stuff that's scary medical emergencies I'll deal with but no airplane problems um but I met a family from Australia once and we were flying the World Cup during during uh, the Brazil World Cup and they were so nice and they'd always wanted a daughter and they literally invited me to go to the World Cup with them and like on my layover I hung out with this family and we went to the World Cup and so that was probably one of my favorite things that's ever happened flying and then they invited me to go to Disney World and I went to Disney World with them afterwards and that that was always really fun to make those random connections with people that like I'm still friends with today. Yeah, that's that's like you. <laughs> you know, my wife teases me all the time, saying I never meet a stranger. <laughs> but I believe that everyone comes across your path for a reason, and if mm-hmm. you fully engage in that moment and that connection, and truly embrace the connection that you're having, that the universe clearly brought together then when you truly do it, you'll find there's so much more that it came together than just a simple, hey, how you doing? Make your flight better. There was something brewing in it. And I, I love that you were open to that because not a lot of people will be open to doing that. And exactly. And, I, and, there, and there was another time. It's really funny because like in the flight attendant world, there's just, it's just weird. Um, you get to trusting people and you can, you can read people. You see so many different people. And that's why actually like a lot of federal organizations, the FBI, CIA, they love to recruit flight attendants and teachers because we know how to read people. Um, but I was in Quito, Ecuador, and 
I bumped into these United pilots and they were, you know, at the store and we were talking and they showed me their crew badge and they're like, Hey, we're going to go hiking up the mountain. Do you want to come? And I was like, sure. They're like, does any of your crew want to come? And I'm like, no. And I went hiking up the mountain with these two United pilots, but you have this trust because you know, you know, you're vetted by all the, you know, the FBI, you have all these background checks. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go hiking up the mountain with these two pilots. I don't know. Like in a normal situation, that would not be okay. (laughs) Don't go up the mountain with two random people, but. (laughs) But again, I think that, that, that discernment that you get, I mean, because I know Kyle and I, you know, we've been places where we just meet teachers and we go, go off and hang out with them. You know, we were in Las Vegas, you know, hanging out with people. It's like, you just, there's a sense of camaraderie within the industry. And mm-hmm. I think um, flight attendants, like, like I say, I can only imagine the stories you can tell. It's probably, like you say, very similar to teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I know how I am when I fly. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I can see how that connection and how that carryover could be very beneficial. The Absolutely. de-escalation piece is huge because a lot oh, of teachers miss that. And, and it's something that is very hard to teach. Uh, you could only, it's really something you just learn on the job. And I'm like, everyone needs to go do a stint in like flight attendant world or something like go, we need to send tr- our teachers to go train in like on an airplane for a day to figure that out. Cause it's a skill that you can't really teach someone. Well, and, yeah. and I think it's, you know, like uh, teachers, not every teacher learns it, but I had to learn it the hard way. And I had to let go of that. I'm the teacher and you're the student mentality. Like if exactly. you have the, I'm the teacher and you're the student mentality, you're not going to deescalate because you don't think you should. Exactly. It's just like that old, I'm the man. If you have to say you're the man, then there's a problem. <laughs> and you're you not know, the man. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say it. You are not the man. <laughs> no, no. I don't have to beat my chest. You know, I don't have to do all those things. I, it, it, it's stated in who I am, my being, you know, and I think that, you know, like with the lady that you said you helped de-escalate because her father has died, you allowed her just to be for that moment. Where other people would just see her and wouldn't really see, you saw something and you were like, let me just go see her for real. And just seeing her and hearing her, give her that comfort. And I guarantee you, she'll never forget that. That's etched into her memory. And that's a, that's a connection that when she, if she were to see you again, she would probably light up because she's automatically gonna connect you to making her feel better than the time, you know, during that time frame. So exactly. And, and, and like you said, Lauren, two kids, so many of these kids just want to be seen. And we were talking with a buddy uh, that we just aired the episode recently, like his whole thing is kids just want to be seen. And like, you know, I mean, you know, in middle school, like there are kids dealing with every possible thing imaginable. And I think, you know, me being small town, Wisconsin kid moving to Houston, I didn't, I didn't understand that that world even existed. So it exactly. took me like years to figure out that that existed. But even where I'm at now in the Twin Cities, it's like my kids are going through a lot and it's so easy to just be like, this kid just won't listen and he won't sit down and he won't do this and he won't do that. Well, like, it may, and it may take you a while to break through, but I got a kid right now who's like, I go home and I literally get yelled at from the time I walk through the door until the time I go to bed. And, you know, he's got three younger siblings that he's basically raising while his parents go to work and it's, and he's just dealing with a lot. So when you see that kid through that perspective and you realize like, this kid's just trying to survive, like this kid's just trying to keep his head above water. It, 
it can and really... it's like imagine that kid if we didn't know this and he goes to school and every class period he gets yelled at because his behavior is not on point so he's getting yelled at every single class period and then goes home and continues to get yelled at whereas you could give him grace you could show him empathy and talk to him and then it makes his day just slightly a bit better and enjoyable Mm -hmm. it doesn't take much you just have to talk to him it really doesn't it really doesn't it really does not take much at all but yeah so we're gonna hey guys just a quick question how can we help you become the teacher your students deserve Please, please reach out to us. Follow us on social media at Value Adds Value. Go to our website, thelledproject.com, or send Wilkie or I an email and let us know what we can do to help you become the teacher you, your kids deserve. And if you don't mind, while you're at it, hit the subscribe button, share this podcast out, and help us reach more teachers to help them become the teacher their kids deserve. Now, back to the podcast. Let's get the next question because we really, really kind of already touched on that, <laughs> some of those memorable experiences. Um, I, I would love to just sit down and pick your brain though because like, I, I think I like to use the experiences of others with my students. You know, I have a thing that I call life lessons with law where I talk to people and just ask them things about a life lesson that you learned when you were a child that you that's still applicable today because a lot, a lot of students feel like oh you're talking about that and that, that doesn't matter to me right now but some of those things that we learned as kids that are still applicable today and like you know I got the idea from that old um, poster that used to be in the classroom say everything I needed to know I learned by the time I was in kindergarten <laughs> you know and it kind of runs down those little life principles and I'm a principal-centered teacher um, I don't think my content prowess is very strong, but I believe that my ability to build character in students and help them, help inspire them to want to do things is where I kind of lay my hat. So if you could give a lesson right now to a kid, one lesson that you knew, learned when you were a child, what would that one thing be that you would share them that, that you still use today? I think the biggest thing that my father instilled on me was anything is possible it just takes hard work. My dad was an immigrant from Cuba. I mean, he moved to the country when he was 13. He didn't speak English. I mean, they had nothing. They left with the clothes off their back. And so I know it's so easy for kids to be like, well, I can't do this because this is the situation that I'm in. That's not an excuse. You can take that and you can build on it. And that can be the obstacle that you use to overcome. But I mean, nothing came easy for my dad. We were very fortunate. He gave us things that he never was able to do, but he taught us work hard. You have to work hard every single day. And the minute you stop working hard, someone is going to go right past you and they're going to achieve the dream that you wanted. So just working hard and never giving up and anything is possible. Your situation will not and cannot define you. Mm. I love that. And what year teaching is this for you? Um, this is my fourth school year. I started like a half year, um, which was, that was an experience all along. Just starting in January mm -hmm. was the most difficult thing as a new teacher, alt certification, mid-year. Yeah, that was, that was, um, 
that was a, that's a whole nother podcast. How, right. to start your, how to start teaching mid-year as a new teacher. <laughs> that's a trial by fire right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so how have, how have your travels changed your perspective? I mean, cause we, we think this is like perspective is so important, but seeing as much as you've seen and meeting as many people as you have, how has that changed your approach to the world and to education? The world it's, I mean, like I said, I grew up in a very small town. Um, like we barely got a McDonald's like when I was in high school. So like, you know, we did, we don't even have a Walmart. It's a very small town. And so being able to go around the world and just see how, how different everything is and culture, how important culture and diversity is, is huge. I think being able to, include that in your classroom like if you don't have diverse selection of books or that show different cultures and you're you're doing it wrong because my kids can't travel right now they don't have the means to travel around the world but they're going to travel through my books they're going to travel through my stories and my lessons I'm going to create that global perspective for them as much as I can until they are able to do it on their own and one of the things that really has interested me now is studying the different like education policies throughout the world, like looking at the Scandinavian countries, looking at Finland, and though the breakup of the, our, you know, our students and our population is so different, but how can we bring that to our country in a small way and try to see, does it work in, does it work in our school system? And eventually the plan is to do a PhD in international education and studying the different policies and the different structures of education around the world and see how that we can manipulate that in our you know, small town USA and bring that global curriculum to our, to our students. Because I think it's so important. Our kids are so connected. I mean, they can literally be on TikTok with someone from Japan and having a conversation. And we never had that opportunity as, you know, when we were kids. And so they're more connected than ever. And so if we don't include that in the curriculum, we're doing them an injustice because that's the world that they're going to be working in and they're going to be living in. So that's how it's all changed. <laughs> wow. And that's interesting because I'm, I'm actually taking a course right now on uh, reframing international education. Um, and it, it, when you mentioned Finland, um, I just argued the fact that people think that, oh, it's because it's so homogenous, all their, you know, it's nothing but Finn. So it's easy for them to, to do that. But when you look at what they did, they didn't base it off of how much money is made in an area or, or, or what do these parents bring in in tax revenue. They said everybody deserves the exact same thing. And so we're going to start with the teacher because that's the one thing we can control. Exactly. We can control who's in the classroom and what standard we set for them. And then we're going to put them in classrooms with what they need in order to do their jobs. And I think that that is, that could work anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we've been, we're teaching in a system that hasn't changed in almost 60, 70 years. Like the same bail system. You know, they get the bail for the workers going into the Industrial Revolution. That's, that's why we needed that. So you can okay. get trained lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> Work is over. <laughs> you know, that. And so why are we still teaching our kids in that manner? Exactly. Exactly. We have to evolve. Yeah. I say you being a YouTuber was not a job (laughs) when I was growing up. It wasn't even a thing. 
YouTube wasn't even a thing. It was not even born when I was in school. So, I, remember, I remember when YouTube came out, I was like just getting done with college and I'm like, this is dumb. Like, why do I want to just look up random videos on the internet? Yeah. It was also around the same time that I said I would never text message. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's oh, incredible how quickly that stuff changes. And it's, you know, it's funny how our kids learn, like, and I mean, I'm the same way. If I don't know how to do something, where do you go? YouTube. Like you go to YouTube and you go and watch something. And it's like, that's also the argument. It's like, look, we can teach our kids curriculum all day. I can teach them theme, author's purpose, but they can literally go to a YouTube video that probably explains it better than I do. Like, and they can learn it. And so it's like, what lessons are really the most important things that we're teaching? Like if we're not changing and evolving our curriculum to match their needs, like we're we're completely just letting them fly past us and it's a waste of their time because they learn everything they need to learn on the internet. I just was having a conversation with uh, my, my coach at my school. So I have a coach cause I'm new to that campus and he was worried that I was not going to be seen as the content expert. Cause I've been giving a lot of project based and discovery based learning. And I didn't really, really push him on that, but like that's very much a thesis that we believe in is that it's not our job to be the content expert anymore and it's so crazy because my students if they search something on google and they don't find exactly what they're looking for the first time they're like it's not on here i can't find it and i'm literally like well you might have to look a little harder because literally everything on the planet <laughs> is <there>. like <laughs> like i can't find where raspberries are grown I'm like I'm pretty sure you could if you, you know, gave it a little more effort, but that's, yeah, that's crazy. But it's, it's preparing them for that experience because they only know the social side, the, the, the playful side. They don't know that those same tools could be used as, as educational tool. Exactly. And I, I find when they do have to, like, when we do project-based things or they're having to research, they don't know how to use it. And it's like, I should be teaching them, not showing them, oh yeah, this is how you put the comma here or do this. No, like where, where can I, I need to show them where they can find this resource online because that's the world they're going to go into. That's the work they're going to do. And I noticed that they kind of shut down the minute they come across an obstacle. Oh, I don't know where raspberries are grown and they shut down. So it's like, what, now we need to help them troubleshoot that and get past that and not just give them the answer. My students were floored when I told them that if you put quotations around something in the Google search bar, it'll look for exactly that phrase. They were like, what? I was like, yeah. Mind blown. <laughs> you can look for exactly that phrase. So, but it's so strange too, because I have students that are like, why aren't we just learning from a book? Wait, what? Yeah. That's what you want? <laughs> yeah. That's so. not really what you want. Yeah. I promise it's not. It's not. It's, it's not it's what more... I want. <laughs> no. For real, it's not what I want. <laughs> right. So, and really, most of the kids, they, that's not what they want either. Um, I give my kids an option. I teach math, sixth grade. And so I give my kids an option. Do you want a book to take home to do your homework? Or do you want to do it online? I think I only have eight kids who took their books, took a book home. Because... Truth be told, they have access to the textbook online. Mm -hmm. So if they need in the video, their videos and everything online. So it's like, why not go ahead and push them toward the expectation when they get out? 
so that way they don't they don't run into so many issues they're not so maladaptive when it comes to challenges exactly that's a, that, like that's a big struggle with a lot of our kids is that, like you say they hit that once they hit the wall i quit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's funny. yep that's true so in teaching ela how do you work with your kids to help them i know you've talked a lot about perspectives and that but <laughs> <laughs> oh puppy in the back she's like oh my like, be quiet we're on the podcast <laughs> it's fine so you know she's pack. a she's a oh, come here Luna. let's show you you're a miniature dachshund she's the cutest she was actually i this is i guess on the test she when i got her um, she was kind of sick. And so I brought her to school with me. I had a principal who was like really great. It's the best part about working in Texas is like principals like grow up around animals. They're like, yes, bring your dog to work. <laughs> and so I was a coach. And so she came, she stepped in my office and she just kind of like, I kept her in the kennel and de-escalation when girls would get in fights during athletics, guess who sat on their lap during the talks? We'd pass the puppy around and she was like our little therapy dog. <laughs> she solved more conflicts than I did. That's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. But, um, you know, with that, how do you help your kids develop their own voice and their own identity? This is something that I, I believe strongly in. I have a very diverse classroom library. I have over 500 books that I've just invested in or I've gotten grants for. And I really, truly try. And it's hard working in conservative Texas to have books about all these different things that can be controversial topics. But I stand by it. I have principals that stand behind me and say, you can have these topics in your classroom. And I talk to my kids. Like I said, I build that relationship. I'm constantly talking to them and they think I'm just interested in their lives where it's, I am, but I also need to know what's going on in their lives so that I can be like, Hey, you want to check out this book? And I had a kid once who I gave this book to, I knew he was a new student and he moved from a very different school. And he, he said, he read the book and he said, Miss Roy, this is me. I am this student. And he's like, I love it. Like, I want to, I love, does he have any more books like this? And so I reached out to the author and was like, hey, my kid loved this book. And Jerry Craft, he's a really great, um, he does graphic novels and he does his own illustrations and he's wonderful. He sent him an autographed graphic novel. And it's like, that kid will always remember that opportunity that I, that I created for him. And I just give them books that have their story so that they think, okay, I'm not alone. And it may be that one book or that one story that really resonates with them. But we, we just talk, we build relationships and we do it through, through books. You know, it's funny growing up, my great grandfather used to always say he only had a third grade education um, um, and was a former slave out of East Texas. Um, you know, the statue of him, even at 80 plus years old, he was still about six foot five, like still very towering figure. Uh, he used to always sit us down and say, Make sure you read as much as you can because they hide all the good information in books. Books, absolutely. And, I love and, it. And that used to just stick with me to the point to where, like, you know, now I'm, I'm a math teacher, but I still bring books into my classroom. I love to talk about books. I love to read math-related books. It helps to connect the kids to that it's not one, it's not just one subject that's important. It's, the, it's how all of them are interconnected with each other. And, and they can build themselves through that. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's huge. And I recently had a student come back to me and tell me, you didn't even know this, Miss Roy, but you gave me a book 
that literally had my same situation going on. And he goes, and you didn't know it. And he's like, I, my mom was the worst mom on the planet. She didn't love me. She's recently left. And he goes, but your room and those books were such a safe haven for me. And I, and I had no idea on the, you just looked at him and he seemed like a happy go looking kid, just never would have, would have pegged him for that. And he said, but that book saved my life because I knew there was somebody else out there who had a similar situation. And it's like, man, that was a good day of teaching. <laughs> oh man, those are the best. <laughs> yeah. That's what makes it worth it. The right. best days. Million dollar moments. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I know you kind of answered a question that was similar to this, but um, we stole this from Tim Ferriss's podcast. So he always asked people, like, if you could have a billboard in which everyone in the world could see it. But we changed it to be so if if you could share a message and you knew that it would get to every kid in the country who was going through school, um, including the ones that you teach and the ones that I teach and the one that ones that Will teaches, and you knew they would take it to heart, what would that message be if you knew you could get it to every kid? I think the number one thing that I always tell my kids is that their voice matters. I don't want them to ever think that they can't speak up about a situation or they can't stand up for themselves, that their voice matters. Someone will listen. You just have to be loud enough to make them listen. Huh. Mm. Mm, that's good. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's, that's the last statement. I have a, a set of I statements in my classroom that my kids recite. And that's the last statement is that I matter. Mm-hmm. They I do. A lot of our kids don't realize that they make a difference, that, that you have the ability to make a difference in somebody's life. And you sh- that's not something you should take lightly. And should, you should, you know, mishandle. Uh, you should exactly. try to make the best, biggest impact on everybody that you come in contact with. And that's not something that's being taught. That's not a curriculum that's being taught. Yeah, that's, that's not an artiques right there. That's not 8.9A. <laughs> make a difference in the world. <laughs> you know, because they'll tell us, you know, I've been told, oh, you're too, you know, you're so lofty. You, you have these big visions and you talk this way. And one of the teachers accused me of being a flower child because I'm always trying to talk about this. And I say, well, if I'm going to prepare for something, I'll prepare for the worst. But just because I prepare for the worst doesn't mean that that's what I want. I'm prepared to endure the worst, but what I'm, my expectation is that I'm going to get the best out of it, mm-hmm. that I'm going to get it for every single thing that it can have, they, they can give me. But if I already already go into it with a mindset, oh, they're just going to get it. They're not going to care about it. Then I've already set my expectation. That's what's going to happen. It's so true. It's and so, so true. we got to get out of this mindset that having kids believe in those things that have so long been thought to be esoteric. You can't get these. This is only for that upper 10%. No, this is for anybody, like your dad said, who would work, who's willing to work hard enough for it. Mm-hmm. Are you exactly. willing to work hard enough for it, period? Exactly. And that's, it's funny, I was, I was telling a kid the other day, and I said, you know, I used to always say, I'm bad at math. I'm bad at math. And I still find myself saying it, or I'm bad at science. I'm a math, or I'm a history reading teacher. That's my thing. But, like, I could have been a doctor. I was afraid to work that hard. Anything now, what I've realized as an adult is I can achieve it. It just takes a different path to achieve it. Like if I want to be a doctor, I could be a doctor. I just have to study harder. I have to find the resources to make me successful. And I might need some tutoring, but I can get there. It's not an impossible task, 
the road's just going to be a little tougher along the way. And I keep telling them that I'm like, if you want to do it, we'll find a way to do it. Like, let's look at it now. Let's create that plan. Do you need more help here or there? But it's not, nothing is impossible. Oh. Who's, who's, who's slaying Whose motto was that? Was that Adidas? Oh. Yeah. It was Adidas. It was Adidas in the Kevin the the Kevin Garnett year that he went to Boston. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh really? Was it? Yeah. Nothing's impossible. because I, I remember loving that 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 mm-hmm. that, that, slow, that slogan. Because that, that's true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Lauren, for people who want to connect with you, um, where's the best places for them to do that? Um, Instagram to me is like, that's like the most teacher centered thing that I do right now. And it's the real traveling teacher. I post a lot about my travels and uh, my goal this year was to be more involved and connected. So if you want to connect with me, send me a DM and let's see how we can you know, collaborate and talk and just become better versions of ourselves. All right. So Lauren, first, thank you so much for connecting with thank us. You. Um, you have an open invitation. Anytime you want to come back, you are more than welcome. And like I said, we might, we might have to just have a conversation with you about the, those first few months in teaching because it's, it's, an, it's an interesting path. And oh, also, it is. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go online and I'm going to put this out there. We're getting ready to host a game night, my wife and I, with a bunch of our friends that, that are teachers. You have a, you, I'm going to make sure you get an invite. Yes, yeah, you have, please do. Because we can't be this close and, and not I know. on some level. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, just I'm, an humble. Oh so. yeah, and I just I I just moved into the Heights, so I'm okay. I'm I'm in the city now. I'm a city uh, living girl. <laughs> and what do you so what do you now? I teach in Magnolia. Still and teach so in Magnolia. I, yeah, still teach in Magnolia. It's about a 45 minute drive, but it's worth it. <laughs> I, I, I saying it's worth it, but I wake up every morning at like 4.30 to be able to like get there on time. I beat traffic, so. <laughs> okay, so last question, Lauren. When your career as an educator is over, what do you want your legacy to be? You know, I've thought about this question a lot lately because um, one of my teachers that kind of was that person, that, I don't even know how to describe it. She was that teacher for me. Um, she recently just passed away. She was my yearbook teacher, and she, her classroom was that safe haven. And unfortunately, she was taken from this world way too young. But she she taught me so many lessons about just being myself and and finding my true self. And I want kids to remember my classroom as a room that they were safe, that they could always come to, and that they learned to be a better person. They will never remember the lesson I did on informational text and text structure, but they might remember that story I told them about, you know, when I met this one person, or this is a person you want to be, or you need to be this way in, in life in order to be successful and a good person. I hope they remember those lessons and not the lessons on text structure or author's purpose. I want them to remember that they learn to be themselves and a good version of themselves. Wow. I love it. Thank you again for being on the show. Um, we, it is, it is, it is blown my mind. Uh, just having a conversation with you, the depth as a four-year teacher that you already have into the teaching craft. Uh, Thank it you. is, you know, it is, it is 
not an easy chore what we do and uh, we thank you for carving out a little bit of your free time to have a conversation with our listeners so that they can grow and gleam and you know hopefully reach out to you and, and, and like as you say become a better person and help exactly. teach students do that too all right are we all reconnecting on the teach your heart out 2021 cruise because i will be there are you going i'm going i already put my deposit down vanessa and i are already roommates we've already decided we're going we're not going to go with the random we're going to be roommates again uh, i unfortunately can't go because the aforementioned trip to salzburg um, is being planned Trump's for that summer so i'll be there 100 percent. yeah We'll book our flights to, from Houston. <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out from you. Um, my wife's going to Italy. I'm going to find out her plan, and I'm going to reach out to you just so maybe you can yeah. give her some tips. She'll be there for nine days. Exactly. And honestly, and that's why I would love for people to connect with me. People ask me all the time about, like, travel tips and industry, you know, insight. Like, if you have anything, it doesn't have to be teaching-related. If you're interested in traveling or you want to go somewhere new, I'll do my best to help figure it out or help you plan it because that's what I love to do. Perfect. Thank you, Lauren. Again. Thank you, guys. Hopefully, we're going to talk again real soon. Absolutely. Definitely. Before we get started on this episode, everybody, we want to take a chance to talk to you about a platform and a company that we believe in, and that's Nearpod. Now, we've had a relationship with Nearpod for over a year now, and it is by far the best educational platform we've ever used. What Nearpod is, is a presentation and engagement tool that you can use with your students. The things we love about it is you can create lessons that can either be paced by you, the teacher, or you can create lessons that allow your students to work at their own pace. And it's interactive. And one thing they've just added that makes it so much easier is it can integrate with Google Slides and Focus. So, if you want to try Nearpod for free, go to this website, go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value. That's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value to try Nearpod for free.